podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of Mr. Jan Malby as we look back on the Liverpool week that was and ahead to the Liverpool week to come. And it's been an eventful one, Jan. As you know, uh, I got to witness firsthand a very impressive, and now it seems the only win we can manage, a 3-1 at Anfield. And since then, we had last night a win by a similar margin in the Carabao Cup um, with ostensibly a reserve team, albeit against the reserve Leicester team as well. And I think a lot of people, Jan, are starting to think that there could be a little bit of something going on here that we didn't expect, that this season of transition might perhaps be a little bit more than that. What's what's your level of optimism given the, the run we're on? Well, first and foremost, uh, good evening, Trevor, and uh, I'm glad you were safely back from Liverpool and I'm glad mm-hmm. you've enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm obviously blessed that I live a little bit closer to you and I go there quite often, isn't it? But it's, it is a unique experience, isn't it? Uh, so I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, we're ahead of schedule in terms of the team. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all this, the sort of things you look at, the qualities you need to have a successful season, uh, you know, play, players in form, squad depth, determination. I mean, I don't want to return to the mentality monsters because I think that kind of belongs to that group of players, isn't it? But yep. this, this group of players has shown some of their own uh, get himself into semi-trouble in games, uh, but it doesn't take them as long to get out of trouble. Uh, here I'm talking about going 1-0 down, which we have a tendency to do, and then turning things around and winning this. And so I'm excited. I'm excited, Trevor, and I'm also in- extremely excited for the game on Saturday. Because I think if if we've got any weaknesses, if there's anything to expose, I'm not talking about you know, Manchester City, you know when you play Manchester City, they, they'll expose some of your weaknesses. It's just whether they get around today. But this is a team, Tottenham, that if you've got any weaknesses, you're not right on a day with their energy and whatever, they'll expose you. So I'm really, really looking forward to that game. But I am delighted how things are going. Absolutely delighted. And I still think there's more to come. Because if you look at three of our four new signings, we, 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 we probably haven't seen enough and the best of them. I mean, McAllister was probably his best game. Uh, when you were there on the Sunday. Uh, but the other two, we've seen relatively nothing off, grabbing birds and, uh, and endo. So, very exciting. Yeah, it feels, doesn't it, like there's the right kind of pace building about uh, just a quick glance at our fixtures coming up. I was very curious to do that earlier on. 
um, because I can't keep that kind of thing in my head, unfortunately. And as you say, Spurs up next, but then it's such a quick turnaround over the next few games. Uh, that's the the, uh, the 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 Saturday game. We're turnaround on on Thursday. Uh, we're uh, playing a, against. Uh, Union Sanjil was in the Europa at Anfield and then really really quick turnaround from the Thursday to the Sunday uh, when we play Brighton then there's a gap Jan and I can only assume that's international break until the 21st of October that's between the 8th and the 21st I think there's a round of international fixtures on the 13th 14th of October so that I assume is international fortnight Um, but these next three games the way it's building Tottenham then another European game where we'll be expected to get another routine win at Anfield. You know, the expectation is one thing, doing it is another. And then Brighton, which is one of those teams that, you know, on their day can really, really pull it up to us and we're away at their place. So it feels like we're building momentum in time for these possibly bigger tests than we've had so far. And to just reflect on the test that we had on Sunday, I was nervous going into that game. And I think you as well were looking ahead at it going, well, you know, these lads are playing well. They have a very good squad. There's some fantastic footballers. They're very impressed uh, in the flesh by the effort put in by Paqueta. He really is a, as well as being a technical player, he's a real yard dog. He gets around, you know, he puts in the, puts in the minutes and the effort. So I felt that that was a big, big test past and I don't think there was any doubt Jan in my mind um, from what I witnessed about the deserving nature of the victory no matter how it panned out going behind again the usual stuff a bit at, uh, at all, all at sea for a little while but I felt this was a more kind of commanding performance uh, and I thought we thoroughly deserved uh, the win and the margin of victory what was your take on that? Yeah very similar you know I think if you look through it all Trevor and we assume, and I think we'd like to assume that, obviously, the one team we know is going to be there and they're going to play to a certain level is Manchester City. And then you've got a whole group of other teams. And I think I think we've passed three of those tests already. We've been to Newcastle and won. We beat Aston Villa comfortably at home. And now we've beaten West Ham. And, th- and these are the teams, maybe not Newcastle. Newcastle might belong in the same bracket as Liverpool. But the other two is Banana Skins. You know, potentially very, very difficult uh, games where... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. You you look and you think, well, OK, what made us comfortably win both of those games more quality no no doubt whatsoever we have more quality than Aston Villa and we have more quality than West Ham which also makes me think that we've got way more quality than the likes of 
of, of, of Chelsea and possibly even Spurs that we play at the weekend and possibly even even Manchester United and, and Newcastle and whatever. So that's always the one thing, isn't it, Trevor, is that overachieving. You never quite know whether you're overachieving or you're on a journey to another mm. level, isn't it? Uh, but I thought possibly at the back end of last season when we had that unbeaten run, I thought for considering the season that we'd had, I thought them last 10, 11 games, we overachieved in a way. Mm. Uh, but that's not, the, that's not the feeling I'm getting now. You know, I'm not getting the feeling that this team is overachieving. I think this, this, this team is, is hitting the nail on the button. You know, they are playing as well as they shoot with the qualities that we have. And the one thing that pleases me more than anything, I think, is that it isn't just as easy as to go, we've got a new midfield, we've got four new midfielders. That's not the entire story, is it? There's more to it. There's a feel to it, isn't it, that overrides that thing and going, well, we just went out and bought four new midfield players, now we've got a team. Now there's more to it, isn't it? The front five and all of a sudden Curtis Jones is more and more like... Curtis Jones is one of these people, Trevor, isn't it, that there's still people who don't like him. And, and I think we've been critical of him in the past. And, but I think he's got a role now where he's almost becoming a new Wijnaldum sort of very reliable, passes the ball, never gives the ball away. I think his passing percentage this season is 93%. I mean, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? But it's important, Trevor, because that means we don't give the ball away. Mm. That means he can keep doing what we want to do, isn't it? So that was a long answer, that Trevor. <laughs> Great though, and you've what you've done is you've driven the bus exactly where I wanted to go. Because uh, if we can start pulling apart a few of the features of that win, I think you're right. I think it's not about we've replaced the midfield because if we're being honest, we didn't replace the midfield in a like for like way, and there is a glaring gap in terms of the profile of the footballer. We know all about that. We've spoken about it ad nauseum. But what seems to have happened, Jan, is that even when McAllister has struggled a bit, um, um, when he and Sabazai are in the team, uh, it seems to have just inv- reinvigorated the players around him, which is what exactly the point you were making. Our, our, all of a sudden, our forwards are sparking. Um, all of a sudden, I, may, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Darwin Nunes now has more opportunities to run in behind that uh, we're doing things at a faster pace that we have a threat every time we attack and that I think is a real part of it but unaccounted for uh, and unexpected was the other area of the team that we felt wasn't perhaps addressed correctly in terms of getting personnel in over the the line by deadline day which is the defence and we've had this kid Jarrell Quanza step up and be very impressive, Young. He was very impressive every single time I've seen him. Uh, I thought last night particularly very, very cool and calm. But every time you see him, and we've said that the last time. So just like Klopp has hit and a kind of, I don't want to say lucky. It's not lucky. But everyone is out now with the told you so's. Oh, all you people who are crying about not getting a defensive midfielder. Well, look at us now. That's horseshit. You, I, I, you and I both know that's just nonsense. That's just people justifying their point of view for whatever reason. It would be lovely if we had a really good, high-class defensive midfielder. But whatever formula Klopp has at the moment, it seems to be working. Whatever the squad uh, atmosphere is or dynamic is, it really seems to be working. And I guess it's hugely based off the quality of Sabazlai 
who's been outrageously good. But I want to look at I want to look at McAllister with you because he really, really did impress me. And again, maybe a bit shaky in the opening goings, but then all of a sudden Jan was doing something which was not just tidily keeping the ball and keeping it ticking over, but breaking the lines. You know, running past a player or turning a player and then finding some space. That's bloody invaluable. And we haven't had that in recent years. And the combination of him and McAllister and whoever the AN other is really seems to be working well to glue everything together. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm blessed in the job that I do, Trevor, that I get to see a, a, a lot of different teams live. And you, you will tell me exactly the same, Trevor, when you go to watch a game, it's a totally different experience, isn't it? You mm. see things that you cannot hope to see when you're watching on, on, on TV. So I've seen a fair bit of Brighton uh, because we tend to to do Brighton when they play certainly home games against the Big Seven because there's a chance of an upset, isn't it? So I've seen a lot of Brighton and I've seen a lot of McAllister uh, and I've always liked him. Uh, I've never quite seen him playing a role that he's playing in now. Uh, Steve, but the more and more I think of it is that Klopp is probably looking at and there's... There's new ways of playing all the time. And there's new... So what they're talking about now is this press-resistant midfielders. You know, so uh, McAllister as a number six would be press-resistant because he's so good on the ball. That's why we were linked with, 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 with Lavia. That's why we were linked with Caicedo because they're also press-resistant number sixes. You know, when the other teams... Because so many... I would say 80% of Premier League teams now try and play on the front foot and, and push up and, 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 and pressurise teams. You need a press resistant number six. We've got that. There will be one or two occasions where we go, he's not number six. No, he's not. But I think the big improvement in our play, Trevor, has been in our play, in our play with the ball. And I think that's what enabled everybody else to all of a sudden start to looking good again. I mean, we had Joe Gomez play as a right back and, and did a really good job in it. And that's all to do with our work with the ball, isn't it? So I think it's, yeah, I told you, but I've always liked McAllister. I remember the first time I saw him in it, it was in a League Cup game. It wasn't live, but I watched on TV and I thought, bloody hell, where's this kid come from? Because he's obviously got a British name. And I thought, is he Scottish? I've never heard of this kid, you know what I mean? But I liked him and I think he scored a goal in maybe against Wickham or somebody or whatever. Isn't it? And then kind of nothing for a year, you know, came on as a sub and whatever, but I've always remembered that name. And when he burst on, I went, I remember him, you know, really technically good. He's got a lot of vision about him, isn't he? And uh, yeah, he's a—he's uh, the one, Trevor. I—he—he's the one, isn't that? Because his role is so pivotal. He's the one that takes our game to the next level, isn't it? That number six. It doesn't matter what teams you look at. The improvement of Manchester United last year was to do with Casemiro, uh, Rodri at, at Manchester City, and Arsenal going out and spend a hundred million on that type of player, isn't it? So that's the kind of that number six is the, the player that gives you a chance to, to go to that next level. Yeah, and to see some of that vision that you spoke about in the way that he combined with Nunes for that goal is very, very exciting. Um, both for To see both of them do those things is very, very exciting. And I thought, again, in your experience in the ground, you'll be probably able to relate to this in a, in, in a, in a very strong way as well. Anfield fucking loves Darwin Nunes. I mean, that kid is absolutely the crowd favourite. Without question, Mo Salah would love to have the love that Darwin Nunes gets. So it's so important, I think, as a result of that, Jan, that he does the business. And it's nice to see that clicking in now. 
Do you think Liverpool fans just assume he's related to Suarez because he's from Uruguay? And, <laughs> and, and, and they go, we just love Suarez's kid. You know? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like almost before he walked through the doors, isn't it? We're yeah. going to love this kid. Yeah. Whatever happens, we're going to love this kid. You know what I mean? 85, I'm not interested. I love that kid already. You know what I mean? What a bargain he is, isn't he? It's, it's, it's quite a story, isn't it? You know, it it's, 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 on one hand, it's lovely, isn't it? And then when you think through the years of all good players we've had who failed to connect, yeah. you know, with, with the crowd in that yeah. way, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah, I, 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 I mean, he, he hardly ever speaks any English, Trevor, so he probably wouldn't be able to, to explain to us how he how he feels, isn't it? But he must just think, what's brought this on? You know, mm-hmm. what's actually brought... I mean, I know that if you look at the, his stats last year, and his stats were, were pretty good in terms of scoring goals and whatever, isn't it? But his play left a lot to be desired, isn't it? And in a way, he probably didn't dis- deserve uh, the sort of adulation he gets, isn't it? But yeah. It just happens now and again, isn't it? So he's cult, isn't he? You know, he's, yeah. he's the next, he's the next cult, he's the next culture hero, isn't? It? I mean, we got Shabbat's liar and Shabbat's liar, whatever we decide to call him, isn't? It? I mean, he's a great player, isn't he? And fantastic, isn't he? But the love, it's, it reminds me a bit of a young Robbie Fowler. You same, know? same, yeah. That's you know, what I was thinking. Yeah. That kind of you go, wow. I obviously remember when Robbie came in and, you know, John Barnes and Ian Russ and everybody was still there. And the next thing, this kid is just on everybody's lips, isn't it? They go, wow, this is surreal, isn't it? So it's the same way there with Darwin, isn't it? And he will continue. And I think it more and more looks like he's broken the back, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, it looks like he's got over that little bit of a hurdle and it also looks like he's convinced the manager. And I think that's the most important. He's now convinced the manager that he's not 100% reliable, in terms of how we want to play in certain situations. But what the other thing he brings outweighs that. And also, what he also brings, Trevor, is that from the crowd, isn't it? Yeah. That also has that also yeah. has a value to our play. That on a dull af- afternoon when nothing is happening, but we put the ball anywhere near Darwin, the place just explodes. Uh, and that that is a, that is something that's a massive massive factor, and it, when I say you can feel that in the crowd, it's it's just unbelievable. He all he has to do is come over to the sideline or something. It, he doesn't even have to do. So. But the thing that you mentioned there, I think, is actually the key to how Klopp is now picking him. Um, and it's not because of the wonderful fin- finishes against Newcastle or the fact that he is now putting the ball away like he did at the weekend against West Ham. It's his number nine hold-up play is decent. Uh, he is linking the play. He's receiving the ball with his back to goal, turning and going at them. All those things you need from a kind of, like, it's an old-fashioned term, but target man type. Um, and he does have the ability to have a defender on toast for pace as well. So it's he, he people dismiss him and say he's just a chaos merchant, but I think we're slowly starting to see a lot more to him than that. And what you say there is the interesting thing. You reckon he has the potential to get better, right? Because uh, that's the feeling I get. I think just the more confident he gets, and he's still only a kid, his technique will improve. Everything will improve. It's just, to me, it seems like there's nothing but potential for improvement as opposed to this is a flash in the pan, if you know what I mean. 
I, I, but I think there's only one place he improves, Trevor. And that's not down at the new training ground. I think he only improves in games. Sometimes you'll get players that will only improve in, in, in games. If, if, if the things that... If the things that he's not that good at, if he could improve them at the training ground, he would have he would have done by, by now. He said to work with him morning and afternoon to improve certain things. And I think they've realised there's only one way. This guy has to feel it. You know, he has to feel it out in the open. He has to feel it physically. What it means when he doesn't do things right, you know, and and and, and that is by by playing the business. So yeah, it's a. Uh, Absolutely the right decision. We said the same last year on occasions, and maybe it wasn't the right time because of the way that the team was playing. Mm. You know, so mm. you can let you can let him a little bit stranded and isolated. That is no longer the case, is it? There's people all around him, isn't it? We're getting five and six people forward at every attack, isn't it? It's playing hundred miles an hour, isn't it? So it's exactly the way he wants to play. I wanted to go back to someone you mentioned there, uh, Joe Gomez, who's another who really, really mightily impressed me on the day. His athleticism is fantastic. He's very strong. And I thought technically he was great in a way that I think an awful lot of people thought he'd very much fail in comparison to Trent. And that's, I think, fair enough. Anyone going up against Trent is going to probably look a little bit short in terms of technique. Um but Joe was very, very efficient with his use of the ball. I thought his forward runs were excellent. He can cross the ball very well. He knows when to pull it back. Uh, and I thought he really, that right side of the pitch looked really good when it's him and Dom and Mo doing bits. Uh, and and it, it, it felt like... Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. There was no real step down, which I think is a tremendous compliment to, to, to Joe on the day. That's a real boost to us, isn't it? Um, that we have this guy who can step in for Trent. Now, there, I have another Trent-related question for you in a second, but just your take on Gomez um, in terms of, he seems to be another who, who's on an upward curve and, uh, in terms of confidence and form. I think, I think I've always liked Joe Gomez. Uh, I've always liked him as a footballer, but I saw problems that would be difficult to overcome. One of them is that when he plays as a centre-half, I never thought he was particularly good at dealing with traffic. So I, people running across him and dragging him that way and keeping his position uh, and being able to play comfortably in a back four. He always ended up like he was playing on his own. I'm thinking, no, you're not playing. We, we, 
with the other defenders, you're almost playing on your own. And the biggest thing I always thought was minutes, because the boy picks up a lot of injuries. And, 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 and you know, I hate players who are so unfortunate that they can pick up a lot of injuries. But he's always picked up a lot of injuries and thinking, well, OK, he needs minutes. How are we going to give him minutes if we always fear that he's going to break down, isn't it? But the one thing that's always impressed me, Trevor, is his ability in a one-against-one situation to defend because he's physically strong, his timing is good, and he's lightning quick, isn't he? So, yeah, I think it's a real bonus. I mean, the, the, the issue now is obviously keeping him fit, but keeping him enough involved so he doesn't drop his level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a massive thing. Can I ask you just briefly, had you any jitters as you watched Mo Salah step up to the spot? Because... Uh, I did. And uh, I really enjoyed the fact that he thumped at home. Um, I, I, he really hit the net with a, with a vengeance. Uh, but again, it didn't reassure me any much about the next one. So I, I just want, this has been a recurring conversation with us. I, w- I want to get your take on it before we move on. I just, Trevor, we all take penalties in a different way. And his penalty record is incredible, yeah? Uh, it's, uh, I've got to be careful how I phrase this, isn't it? But, if his penalty record almost matches up to anything we've ever seen at Anfield, yeah? And that's including <laughs> Stephen Gerrard and John Oliver and whoever else took penalties, yeah? <laughs> uh, the one thing I have, Trevor, is that when you blast it, you just lose a little bit of control. <clears throat> yeah? The way I took penalties or the way John Oliver took penalties, I can take 100 penalties, even without a goalkeeper, and roll it into the corners, and I guarantee I won't miss a target. But if I've got to take 100 penalties, where I basically close my eyes and just blast it down the middle, even without a goalkeeper, you might actually miss one or two, because you just lose that little bit of control. And that's the one thing that always worries me about people who just goes bang and hits it. Uh, But maybe we're just nitpicking, I don't know. Did you feel at any stage we looked vulnerable? The it felt very much to me like the the Jared Bowen goal, which was beautifully taken, to be fair to the kid. I still haven't seen a replay of it, um, but it, it, it looked very impressive on the day. And in off the base of the post as well. It has to be brilliant to beat Ali, let's be honest. Did you feel we looked a little bit vulnerable? Because I've been taking a lot of heart from the fact that we're, Virgil's a bit more Virgil-like. And when we have that set kind of defence, whether it's Matip or Kanate, uh, and whether it's Trent or Joe Gomez, when we have those sort of A-listers in there, I, I'm starting to feel a little like we're a little bit more solid. We still seem to be open to conceding goals. I'd love to see more clean sheets. Was there anything that made you worry uh, in the West Ham performance in terms of our openness or, 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 or any fragility in the defence? So let's deal with the goal, Trevor. I, I think the goal. We're in a good position. You know, we're back. We've we, we got defenders in the right areas. And then it's like a, almost like a short cross, isn't it, where he dies. And, you know, I've heard one or two people said, oh, Virgil was a bit too slow to react. And I'm thinking, it's like, if the expected cross comes, then I expect him to deal with that. But I think even Virgil, even Jarrod would have been surprised and gone, oh, Christ, I didn't expect it to be there, you know. Uh, so you, you can't be on front foot to be able to deal with every possible 
uh, cross uh, because there, there will be one or two of them who will take it slightly by surprise and go, oh, I didn't expect that. So mm. I wasn't overly concerned. I do, however, share this thing about it's 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 not watertight, is it? It 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 doesn't give me the feel of the two seasons when we won it and the one before where we were watertight, where it was like almost was pointless attacking against us, wasn't it? Mm. That is no longer the case. You know, teams feel that. And although I, I keep coming back to it's not simply we're not conceding bucket loads, are we? You know. We're not really. I mean, we're conceding one and one and one and whatever. But I agree, there is still something, and that's why I'm so looking forward to the game on Saturday because I'm thinking that okay, this is a game where it won't be unexpected. You know, this will be expected because they play the same with this new manager every time they play. So everything they do, we would have spoken about prior to the game, and it will be expected that when they attack, they attack with both fullbacks, they attack with the front three. And another midfield player. So all this will be. So we'll we'll have to we'll have to defend against more than half of the outfield players. And often we don't do that, Trevor. You know, even against West Ham when they're attacking two or three, maybe four at most, isn't it? Against Spurs, it'll be six, seven at times. And so you'll have your hands full, and that's why I'm really looking forward to the game. Yeah, similar similar idea for myself, and I look forward to look, uh, talking a bit about that at the end of the show with you. The question I wanted to come out of that I mentioned earlier on was Trent related because I'm assuming we have the A-listers in against Tottenham for good or bad. Um, some people would suggest that perhaps Joe should keep the shirt, but I'm thinking, I'm hearing that Trent is available. I'm, I'm not sure if you've got any insight there. And then Kanate with a very good performance last night uh, seems to have been managed in a certain way by by Klopp he didn't start at the uh, at the weekend so I'm assuming it'll be him alongside Virgil and, and, and Robbo at the back so that brings me to the question of the experiment the ongoing experiment now I, I didn't see the first half last night Jan because the, there was no good stream available for me to see it and it wasn't on any of the channels that I pay through the nose for so um I wasn't really fully engaged with what was going on until it was towards the end of the first half. And I certainly didn't see us from the start. But I've heard it suggested that Curtis Jones last night was sort of deployed in that hybrid role. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I know we've kind of talked this to death, but I would just, I'd be just as happy if, 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 if that was put in the bin. However... First of all, do you was was that a thing that happened last night with Curtis? And second of all, do you expect Trent to be back? And third of all, and this seems like sacrilege, right? But with, with Joe being very solid, are we back in the danger zone if if we get Trent back in in terms of our defensive solidity? All those questions. Yeah, uh, I mean a lot of yeah. The Curtis Jones thing did happen, you know, and I, and I obviously think that, you know, Klopp is thinking who, who can play that role and step into midfield and be comfortable. Uh, and also, I guess that Klopp would have expected uh, to dominate possession. And so I don't think it's something that we're going to take any further. I was thinking here, because it's Spurs and the way they play and what they have up front is pace. Uh, 
it's a blow for them that it looks like Brennan Johnson, the, the new boy from Forest, is, is out injured. Uh, sort of lose a bit of pace there, and and uh, the Israeli boy Manor Solomon will probably come in. Is the but Son through the middle is all about movement and pace, uh, being able to react quick. Does that make me think that Joe might start as a centre half? He'll be better suited to that kind of a game, uh, possibly. Do we lose something? No, I don't think we do. I'm not ready yet to completely buy into that we're ready to play away against Spurs without the A-listers. Uh, it, it's it's one thing playing at home at Anfield, 50,000 people backing you uh, to go down to Spurs uh, against a vibrant Spurs team. So no, I'm 100%. Let's get the A-listers back in. Well, and for the record, I really just want to see Trent go on and continue his career as the best right back in world football. And it's shutting critics up because that's what he does on a regular basis when people start talking about his, his defensive fragility. So I am looking forward to seeing that uh, nominal um, best four. Uh, and hopefully they'll really change the game for us. But just to finish off with what's already been uh, occurring last night's win I thought uh, was interesting to watch we did seem to be reliant on springing the talent from the bench again and I don't think there's a problem with that it's like when people say well your goal you had to make five saves well that's what he's there for so if if we have a strong bench that's what it's there for uh, but he did shake it up. I think it was nine changes or so. Certainly only two nominal first teamers in in, in the lineup. But very much, and I, I don't think there's been enough said about this, certainly amongst the Liverpool fans I spoke to today, the the uh, Leicester team was very much a, a second string for them as well. So we have to acknowledge that too. What did you think of the pretty undeniable dominance that our second string for want of a better term had over the course of the game uh, another win that I felt fully deserved especially on the second half showing uh, but the overall overall it was a, it was a very dominant performance and some very good football played yeah I think I think the big thing for me Trevor is, and there's a, there's, there's a number of things in your question isn't it I mean you, you make nine changes uh, you know you're going to run the risk of people going Ooh, and you'll have to get the boys off the bench to come out in and help you. But I think regardless of how we were playing, I think that was always the plan. You know, Klopp more than any other manager likes to keep his players active. You know, so I think even if we've been 4 0 up, he'd still felt the need just to give the boys a run out because that's what he wants to do, isn't it? So, and in terms of performance, you know, shot after shot after shot, hit the bar, the crossbar. Harvey Elliott off the line, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we could have scored six or seven, couldn't we? And that, Trevor, you, you, I was going to say you can't buy it for money, you can't buy it for money if you buy the right players. But the ability to create chances, you, you know, it's unrivaled. Uh, you know, I, I saw some stats. Manchester City, I think, I think they had one shot on target against Newcastle. You know, it's just like the ability, the ability to do what matters in a game of football. I know that football is, 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 it's moving on and, you know, we'll find all sorts of new ways of describing things and processing, blah, blah, blah. And above. There's nothing like being able to create chances, is it? There's nothing like being able to create chances for your own confidence and for putting the opposition in the box 
you know, where they go, bloody hell, we can't cope with this. You know, Newcastle cope last night with Manchester City having 75% of the play because he never created any chances. You know, so we've got to be careful what's most important in games, isn't it? You know, and the most important things in game we do, we create them by a bucket load. Create them by a bucket load and you'd back our lads to take a percentage of those chances all the time because you have fellas who are very instinctual finishers like Diogo Jota. There aren't many footballers like Jota around. He's an oddball in terms of uh, uh, trying to describe him. I've heard people say last night that he was um, pretty dreadful uh, aside from the goal that he took. I, I couldn't agree with that. I thought he put in a real shift. I, I was quite... I was quite impressed with Jota's showing. I mean, again, I missed the first 30 minutes, so maybe he was he was bad there. But that thing of being able to score goals, now we've got a kid like Dom who can strike a ball like that, and that's going to form a whole other question before we go to talk to Tottenham. But it, it, football philosopher Michael Owen uh, said, uh, usually the team who scores the most goals wins. <laughs> Is that, is that guaranteed? Is that guaranteed, Trevor? I believe so. It's a it's a controversial it's a controversial take, but you would back us, Jan, wouldn't you? In a straight up shooting match, even with Manchester City, to score more goals. Now, none of us are comfortable with that level of 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 game. We'd all love us to just be eking out these one nil wins with impregnable defence. But it's great to have that as a sort of fallback where you're not nervous, even up to the 90th or 93rd minute, if a goal is needed, it feels like our lads can magic one up. Mm. Just just to talk about Schotter first. Schotter always has been and always will be a scruffy footballer. That's how he plays his football, isn't it? He's not a clean footballer, uh, but but he lives he lives in a world where we analyse everything and we want to make it as pure as we possibly can, but he's a scruffy footballer. There's no doubt about that, isn't it? And I totally agree with the goals, isn't it? It's 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 just incredible, isn't it? To have that, you know, the front five will score eighty percent of our goals. Yeah, uh, I have no doubt about that. That doesn't mean that the other players in the team won't be goal threats because they will be because of the way way that that we play. So it won't be enough for the opposition just to keep an eye on the front three are playing at the time, is they'll still have to keep an eye on everybody else because they will be capable on the other occasions. But they'll also find themselves in better positions to be goal threats. So we'll see Trent in situations 20 yards from goal. Now we've got Dominic in exactly the same, isn't it? McAllister will find exactly the same, isn't it? So I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package which includes a 48-hour no-obligation-free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. 
These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. It's a, yeah, that ability to score goals, that ability to create chances to score goals. There's nothing like it. I've always had the utmost respect for everything Pep Guardiola has, has, has done since he's become a manager. But I have to admit that his teams, Barcelona, Bayern Munich and, and Manchester City, very rarely has got me out of my seat, you know, because of the way that they play. But Liverpool do. And I have to be honest, this season, I would probably pay to watch Spurs because I like I enjoy the way that 100% committed to going forward, 100% committed to creating chances, understanding the risks, understanding having to attack with six or seven people and this risk the other way. But right now, we're attacking. So never mind the risk. We'll deal with that when the risk comes and then we'll all just sprint back and do something about it. And so I do have a bit of it. Although it's not a style that would have played, suited the way that I played, isn't it? But it's a style I like to watch. Yeah, what well, exactly. It's entertaining. And like I think you're so right. I think this could be... Uh... A, a real shooting match uh, at the weekend. I want to touch on an aspect of Dominic Sabazlai's performance last night, which was the way in which he took that goal. Because I think most of us were sitting there watching it and thinking, Jesus, this lad can really strike a ball. And I, I, it's not a thing that people talk about enough um, because you just, you it's perfect. You just talked about Jota as being a scruffy footballer. The contact he makes might never be 100% or, or clean or pure. But the way that that ball was struck by Sabazlai, that was that. It was the definition of that. It was, if you've played any football at all, you've probably played beside someone who, who, who strikes a ball so beautifully and so cleanly. They might not necessarily be the best player in the world. It just so happens that Sabozlai is possibly looking like he's going to be our best player. But it's a real, it's a, I, I just wanted to get your take on it because I don't think people understand the difference. He created so much power there with almost zero backlift compared to the speed it hit the net at. And that's all about technique, Jan, isn't it? So, so when I grew up in the 70s, Trevor, and I got to sort of, you know, the age of 10 and a little bit older. I was watching football on TV. Uh, one day I was watching the game where somebody in the German Bundesliga shot from distance. And as he hit the ball, both feet were off the ground. Mm. And this was a new thing, Trevor. You see this all the time now, don't you? Mm. Both feet off. But that was the first time I ever saw that. And I went, wow. Next day, down to my local club, started to strike the ball and you, you, I couldn't make up how difficult it was, you know, to strike the ball and having both. I, I, I look so clumsy as a start when I'm thinking, how do I actually have both feet off the ground as to strike the ball, isn't it? But it became a real sort of, and I've never really been like that where I've got to get this right, I want to practice this, uh, never practice penalties, isn't it? But this thing was just a thought, this is going to be, a, and that is technique, Trevor. Yeah. You know, when you talk about technique, isn't it? So, I'm not suggesting, but I was I was also a, a a clean striker of a football, whether that was shooting or passing the ball, isn't it? So I do know that I've always enjoyed that. You know, you know, Paul Scholes had it, uh, you know, that ability to strike the ball, and Gerard in a bit more, bit more of a sort of a, you know, there's more 
uh, effort involved in, in what Gerard did is it was as effortless, isn't it? But even shoppers like in the games where he shoots and he doesn't score, whatever, you you cannot be in any doubt that he strikes the ball as clean as you could ever wish. It's it's like a golf shot, isn't it? It's, it's just mm-hmm. you know, and it's like that sound, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, people talk about the sound in golf. I don't play golf, so I don't know what they're on about. But you still have that sound in football when you hit the ball too. You know, you do, you do, and you get the feeling we're gonna know a lot of those experiences over the course of the season with this guy because he's he's pretty awesome. We might we may circle back to talking about him in a second uh, when we talk about the Liverpool lineup, um, but I do want to just speak briefly about about the the game at the weekend against Spurs because obviously it's a massive one, and you're so right. I mean, it it has the potential to be a real humdinger of a match um, it also is by far our biggest test away at a Spurs side that are sort of really flying if we're being honest their last couple of uh, results just to let folks know maybe not everyone follows uh, the, 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 the results that, as they come in they had that 2-2 draw with Tottenham, which I don't think many people saw, which ended up being a great result for us, obviously, in terms of the table uh, after our win um, over West Ham. Previous to that, they had a 2-1 victory over Sheffield United. Uh, Burnley, uh, they beat at Burnley 5-2. Uh, they had a EFL uh, win uh Oh, no, actually, sorry, the EFL thing went badly for them against uh, Fulham. Uh, and then they have just a consistent run of very good wins. They beat Bournemouth at Bournemouth. They beat Man United at Tottenham. They beat, uh, before that, I, oh, sorry, Brentford then was the, was the 2-2 draw. So, I mean, it's been a very solid run for them. And they've been kind of neck and neck with Liverpool in terms of the the points total and the and points accrued until just the weekend gone past. What is it that you seem to find so engaging about Tottenham? Aside from maybe the style that they play, who is it, do you think, is responsible for this particular style? And how much... Are you in the Ange Postacoglu fan club? Because I'm seeing a lot of stuff and he does, he comes across as a lovely lad. He really does. He actually just really down to earth, actually funny guy, uh, humble guy, uh, says all the right things. One of those managers is very difficult to dislike so far in terms of looking at his press conference. He just seems like a good fella. But again, just to reframe the question, is it, down to what he's doing, or is it down to the 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 specific couple of players in the park? How, what what do you put this um, Spurs Renaissance down to? So it's obviously down to a number of things, I think, Trevor. Uh, obviously, losing Harry Kane. You know, I think if Harry Kane would have still been there and they're playing the way they are, I think we we'd have also been even more excited about Spurs. But they are without Harry Kane. That means they're without. 45 uh, gold-related uh, things that comes from the, from his boots, isn't it? But I think the recruitment over the period of the last 18 months has been really good. Uh, now you've got the manager, who's a very, very good communicator. Clear messages, does not complicate. And he simply gives the players an opportunity to play the way that they want to play. So they're very similar to us, Trevor. I think... They'll match our energy 
I think they'll match our pace, but I don't know whether they can match our quality. You know, and that was the same thing when he played Arsenal on Sunday. I thought they'd go to Arsenal and eventually they'd go under. 1-0 down, 2-1 down, and I thought they'd go under because most people assume that Arsenal have got better players than Spurs at the moment. But credit to them, they dug in and they kept going. Uh, and it's the players, two very quick attacking fullbacks, Trevor, two very quick mobile centre-halves, uh, Eve Bissouma that they bought from Brighton 15 months ago, didn't do anything last year, looks like a totally new player, sensational. Uh, Son through the middle with his pace and his movement. But I think the key is James Madison. James Madison's gone from Leicester to Spurs, and overnight he's become the man. Central, number 10 role, make it happen. And he makes it happen, Trevor. He makes it happen with assists, shots on target, scoring goals. So he would be the one with us possibly playing without a conventional number six. And I'm thinking we need to keep an eye on James Madison. So there's a lot of things I like about him. Having said all that, Trevor, I'm still not convinced that they can match high quality. So I think he'll be an energetic game for a long time. But possibly in the end, we've got too much quality. That's the key issue. And just for the benefit of folks who are wondering about some filling out some of that quality you're talking about, in that 2-2 with, with Arsenal, they had Vicario in goal. Uh, Van de Veen, who we know the Reds were linked with quite heavily at one point, alongside Romero as their centre-half partnership, and Paro and Udogi uh, on the flanks there at full-back. Basuma and Saar, nominally their defensive midfielders uh, or most withdrawn ones. And then, as you said earlier on, Brennan Johnson, we're not sure what the crack is with him. Uh, Madison and Kulisevsky as a sort of a trio behind Sun. Now, that's a very impressive looking team. And it gets a little bit less impressive when you go to the bench because now is when you start thinking, where does this quality match up? I would say nominally if it's just on quality uh, that first 11 of theirs is already struggling with Liverpool's first 11 but now we go to the bench and on the bench they they were able to bring on Hoiberg, Richarlison and the kid you mentioned Manor Solomon um, from uh, in that in that game against Arsenal and you can see them all having various levels of impact but the rest of the bench then is Ollie Skip, Emerson Royal, um, Eric Dyer, Fraser Forster, Ben Davies and a kid called Veliz. So I'm hopeful that on the basis of that, it's a bit like on paper, we should be too strong. But what I like about this, Jan, is that this feels like what we used to say about every almost every game that we had coming up, which was, these guys are good. And you highlighted Madison. We've talked about the potential threat of of their attacking fullbacks and how good Son is on this day. He can be a world beater. They could they could be very solid there with that defence. But you just do feel that in each and every case, if we play to our level, it should be too strong. And that's a fantastic feeling again, isn't it? I mean, that's what we've been waiting for. We've been there before, Trevor, haven't we? Yeah, you know, we, we we did this podcast for three years, and we predicted that we'd win every single game. We didn't, but prior to the game, you thought we'd win the game, and we're there again. Yeah, absolutely. As much as as much as we all recognise what Spurs have got, 
Uh, I've been to two of their games this season, and I was at the Manchester United game with the medium tune or whatever. And I'm thinking, yeah, last season, I'd have gone a home win. You know, if if we'd have played the way we did last season against this Spurs team, we'd have we'd have been beaten. And but even with everything they got, and I'm not sure that there's much improvement left in them. I think they're near the ceiling of what they can do. I still think we'll beat them. So yeah, you're right. That is a great position to be in, isn't it? Knowing that even against one of the better teams in the Premier League, all we have to do is take care of ourselves. Well, we'll come back and wrap up in a couple of minutes' time with the usual get a prediction from you. And we might as well, actually, because realistically speaking, I'm not sure what you're... We, we haven't had our chat yet, so I don't know what your availability is like next week. And we play on a Thursday, so it could be a tricky week. We'll have to see if we can uh, get a show in at, that, at any stage over the week. But we will have that other game on the Thursday to look forward to as well um, against a team who honestly are kind of unknown quantity to most of us, but you know, we'll, we'll just mention that briefly seeing as it might be coming up. Um, but I wanted to get your re- reaction just before we finish to some news that broke today. When, when Paul Joyce is the one who tells us uh, we are usually expected to believe it. And he tweeted today, that FSG have agreed an investment deal for Liverpool. Everyone's getting their ears pricked up. It will not result in a transfer war chest for Jurgen Klopp, but the agreement with American firm, Dynasty Equity keeps the balance sheet healthy. FSG were not looking to sell the club. Further detail is basically it's going to go to pay down debt and keep the coffers and the accounts looking quite healthy. It's a classic FSG move. It's a, okay, we'll give you this little piece here and now we can say that we're uh, a well-run club. It's, being a well-run club doesn't keep many people warm at night, Jan. But uh, it's possibly a bit admirable. I don't know. What was your What was your reaction to the news? We We didn't take the 150 million from Mo Salah, so we had to get it from somewhere else. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, <laughs> probably. Yeah. We 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 balanced the books. We don't like to uh, the bank any money, so uh, let's bring somebody in uh, and 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 pay down the bank debt. That that just you know. What do you say? It's, it's it's a typical FSG move, isn't it? Uh, it's very much a business that they run, but they do try and give the manager as many resources as they possibly can, isn't it? Well, it's interesting again, isn't it, to hear um, the, the the certitude in those tweets from every journalist I saw at two different articles uh, that the FSG were never looking to sell the club. Uh, it, it does feel a little bit like smoke and mirrors at times. Um, and you can see, can't you, that there would be certain people will hear that and just start, you know, having a moan because everyone just wants to hear about, you know, here's a, a billion to go and buy players, but it's, it's never going to happen with these guys. And I think you're right. I think people need to just, make their peace with that uh, because it's going, it's, it is reality. Why would it suddenly change? It's, it's daft to expect it, right? It won't change forever. Absolutely not. And I don't think deep down we've got a lot to complain about. You know, first and foremost, uh, they got your ship on the right route, didn't they? And, and they've got a clear plan and they know what they're doing. And what they're very good at is picking key personnel, you know, key personnel at Anfield, whether that starts with the manager or players and whatever else in, in, in position at Anfield, isn't it? So, that's almost half the battle, isn't it? So, no, I, I don't have a massive issue with it. We are, deep down, football fans. So every time we have any kind of problem, we want a new player. That's how we view it, isn't it? I want a, I want a new right back. I want a well, yeah, that's how it is, isn't it? But reality, 
with these owners. It's nothing like that. You know, uh, I was listening to a few podcasts today and I read a book recently uh, and it's going to be the perfect show for us during the uh, international break. Uh, I wanted to bring it up tonight if we had some dead time, of course, it being us, we don't have any dead time, but it's about that. Shall we just say misbehaving footballers? Like, guarantee you, you'll have a few stories that might uh, put the hair standing up in the back of people's necks as well. So, I want to flag that up for folks. That is coming during the international break. Uh, we'll see what we can get out of Jan as well. How how many secrets he can he can he can sell us? Uh, but we should finish as we always do with you uh, giving a prediction. How do you think it's going to go against Spurs? And if you care to mention the uh, game against Union Saint-Gilles on the Thursday in the Europa as well. Yeah. Um, so the last two games we played, I predicted two, three new wins. I was writing the goals that we scored because that seemed to be. So I'm going to suggest that we score three again uh, because I think Spurs will give away chances. Uh, but I also think they'll score a couple. So I'm going to go Spurs two, Liverpool three. Ah, nice. Uh, Thursday night on Anfield. I think it's. I mean, obviously, we don't know a lot about our opponents, but it's 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 quite a story, isn't it? Uh, it's one of Tony Bloom, who owns Brighton. It's one of his clubs, isn't it? Uh, so they'll have a lot of young, exciting players. Uh, did well in Europe last season, but you know, even with the changes that we're going to make, because we're going to need all our energy, Trevor, against Spurs and against Brighton. So we're not going to take any chances in that Thursday night game. Uh, but we're going to win that Thursday night game 3-1. 3-2 <laughs> so 2-3 against Spurs and 3-1 at home on Thursday. And the beat goes on. I like it. Uh, we should <laughs> we should wrap it up there. Uh, it, that was that was a great chat as ever, and um, a lot of a lot of stuff uh, to deal with as ever. A million topics we didn't get to. Still have to have at least half a show where we have a laugh at United because it's better. It's getting every single week, but we'll fit that in maybe over the international break. So as ever, John, thanks very much. Yeah, it's been wonderful, isn't it? It's 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 good to be back, Trevor. We we always say we're back in it, but. We're back. We really are. And I think everyone who's listening can see that on the pitch as well. And we look forward to hopefully describing two more Reds wins to you and looking forward to the last game then before the international break uh, against Brighton, I believe, uh, in our next show, whenever that will be. So myself and Jan will be back with you. That was Jan Mulby. I'm Trev Denny. This is Mulby on the spot for Anfield Index Pro. We'll talk to you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.